So here we are in the middle of summer, uh, and the government has launched a quote-unquote consultation uh, with regard to its plans to address so-called online harms. Now, you might recall the federal government, uh, right before Parliament broke for the summer, introduced uh, new legislation aimed at targeting uh, public hate speech, an online hate speech, Bill C-36. Now, that's likely to die on the order paper, assuming we get a fall election. But uh, in any event, uh, that's all on hold because uh, Parliament is adjourned for the summer. This legislation to target online harms would be above and beyond that. And it's the kind of stuff that, you know, it's low-hanging fruit, right? Who's going to be opposed to going after hate speech or sexual exploitation or terrorist content, all that kind of stuff. But it's more about the how. So this uh, consultation is maybe more or less the government just kind of outlining how it wants to approach this and the creation of something called the Digital Safety Commissioner of Canada, the, the Digital Resource Council. So there'd be a lot of power put into these uh, these bodies to basically remove content from, from social media. So joining us to talk a bit more about, you know, where this is all headed, what the potential concerns are. Very pleased to welcome the program here this morning, Dr. Michael Geist, a law professor at the University of Ottawa, Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law, much more at michaelgeist.ca. Professor Geist, great to have you with us. You're welcome back to the program. Great. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So in terms of online harms legislation, we, we haven't yet seen this specific legislation, have we? No, we haven't. I mean, the government did, literally in about the last hour of the House of Commons before it took a break for the summer, introduce Bill C-36, which deals specifically with hate speech. And mm -hmm. I think that was, in a sense, a precursor a little bit to what we saw last week with their so-called consultation. But no, this isn't legislation at this stage. I think it was pretty clear for months that the government intended to bring this forward as legislation. And had Bill C-10, the broadcast bill, not blown up, I think they probably would have. But once that bill became controversial and, and the public started to really express concerns about the government's direction on some of these issues, they, they held off and put this forward in what they're calling a consultation, but it doesn't read like a typical consultation because they're not really asking any questions. It's a bit more of an advisory about what they intend to do, should they, as everyone expects, uh, call an election. And if they're reelected, presumably this is one of the priorities that they'll have. Right. And so I think, you know, most people recognize that there are issues online with regard to, you know, hate speech or sexual exploitation or extremist content, this sort of things. So I don't think anyone's denying there's a problem there, but this is a very uh, interesting, shall we say, way of addressing it. The, the idea that we need, as you put it, a, a bureaucratic superstructure. So what, what is it that the government's proposing here? Well, you know, in some ways, you're right. I'd start by noting I completely agree that there are obviously some issues online, and we need to ensure that the large Internet platforms, the tech companies, play their role. And there's unquestionably things that they can be doing and should be, I would argue, I think many would say must be doing better in terms of, of trying to grapple with some of these issues. But what the government is putting forward is, is in many ways almost sort of the, the worst of what we've seen from around the world. Everything from 24-hour takedowns to website blocking to this new regulatory superstructure that has huge amount of penalty powers will be essentially govern the legality of certain content with 
potential takedown requirements and the like. All of this is incidentally funded by the tech companies themselves. The government's not going to pay for it. They want the tech companies uh, as part of sort of some new regulatory fees for operating in Canada to have to pay. And, you know, I think establishing all of, of this kind of framework, knowing what we know from other countries, knowing what we know about the protections we have under the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, uh, is really deeply troubling. It's a government that that in an attempt to strike a conventional balance, certainly between freedom of expression and dealing with some of these harms, has really thrown their lot in with regulating speech online and done so in a way that I think is probably vulnerable from a constitutional perspective. Uh, but even if, you know, that, that's going to take years to play out in the short term, this is pretty troubling. So how would this work then? So someone would, would file a complaint with the Digital Safety Commissioner? Is that the idea? Yeah, that's part of what will take place. So there's a whole series of different measures here, um, some of which include proactive monitoring and reporting requirements. So the platforms would required, be required to proactively monitor. Even that proactive monitoring would be subject to potential review. So, for example, there's an expectation that they'll use things like AI, artificial intelligence, uh, as part of their process to try to identify some of this content. And in doing so, you know, they may be required to then report their findings onto law enforcement. So imagine just an AI, a computer program, identifies what it thinks might be a questionable post, and there's an obligation to forward that along to the police. It, the whole AI itself is subject to review uh, by these new, by this new regulatory superstructure. So that's part of it. There is also the ability for people to file complaints uh, first with the platforms themselves. Platforms being required to remove that content within 24 hours, or at least to respond to any of those complaints uh, or citations within 24 hours. And then there is a whole complaint mechanism built in with this new digital safety commissioner, further oversight that includes something called the Digital Recourse Council of Canada, additional potential reviews by the Privacy Tribunal. I mean, they're just layering in so many different levels in terms of this bureaucracy around uh, online content. Now, we talk about the platforms this is going to apply to, and it seems like we're talking about the pretty mainstream platforms, Facebook, uh, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter. Um, but, you know, a lot of this this kind of content festers in all sorts of different corners of the Internet, all sorts of different uh, websites and web forums and, and chat rooms, etc. So are we being a little bit narrow in, in our focus here? Well, I think we're already too broad in terms of some of the approach that we're taking, not so much in terms of who's targeted, but the lack of due process, the lack of safeguards, right. the, all, all of those kinds of things. Now, in terms of the, the scope of the sorts of coverage of speech, there are certainly some that are arguing that it should go further. And you know, there, So, for example, on one of the early calls on this that took place for various stakeholders, there were some that saying, well, what do you mean you're excluding private chat rooms or private chats that might take place on Skype or WhatsApp or some of these other kinds of telecom platforms? And essentially saying that private communications ought to be subject to these same rules as well. The government response was to say, no, that's not something that we're doing. And I think they're right to say that mm -hmm. that's outside this ought to be outside the scope of this. But we should be, you know, clear based on our experience with Bill C-10. The government said the same thing about user-generated content when it introduced C-10, saying, no, no, that's outside the scope of the law, only to reverse on that months later. And so I think the concerns that we may see about, well, the starting point might be a Facebook, a TikTok, or a YouTube, but 
is there the prospect that they could expand this to cover basic communications on services like a Skype or a WhatsApp? I think if C10 is, indicate, is any indication, there's every possibility that they could reserve, reverse course and expand the scope of this legislation. Well, the other issue that's come up as well is, you know, the power that this uh, commissioner would have or, you know, the idea that these inspectors could go into workplaces or even homes uh, to search for, you know, documents or, or software, right? The idea of well, we're going to send, you know, federal inspectors in, into Facebook's offices to start demanding stuff. I mean, how, how's all of this going to be enforced? Well, listen, there, I mean, there are unquestionably enforcement questions. Um, I think that we are likely to see some services seek to avoid the Canadian market altogether once they know that there are now regulatory surcharges to enter into the marketplace and the prospect of all of these kinds of regulations that go well beyond what's found in many other jurisdictions. So we don't compare well with, with many of these other players. Now, I think that you know, if you're a Facebook or a Twitter, you're not leaving the Canadian market, and so you will deal with these rules um, should they become law. But I would expect that we would see some constitutional and legislative challenges along the way uh, if the government, in fact, moves in the direction that they're indicating. Right, because a lot of these decisions about what's problematic and then therefore what these companies need to do to deal with it, I mean, it seems like a lot of this is going to be happening behind closed doors. So how big a concern is that, the lack of transparency and maybe even lack of due process? Yeah, no, I'm glad you raised it. And I think there's really two issues there with that question. One is the due process side. And, and, and I just think, you know, you can't realistically claim that you have appropriate due process, that you are creating some kind of balance between safeguards for freedom of expression and dealing with these online harms and say that you're going to require action within 24 hours. I mean, it's just not realistic. What will happen, especially given the kind of liability provisions they have for these large players, is that the content will come down virtually every time and so that's not due process that's a that's a takedown system where the review is cursory at best and given the potential for liability what we'll see is that speech oftentimes legitimate speech uh, will be removed simply because it's the easier path for the large platforms they don't have nobody really has the ability to say that they're going to give each piece of content a fair hearing within 24 hours, especially when they're facing the prospect of liability down the road for failing to act. And so what will happen is this stuff just gets removed time and again. And, you know, to see Canada move in that kind of direction where any kind of content that 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 is now the subject of a complaint, even if it's a spurious one, is, 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 I think, pretty likely to find itself removed based on the kind of framework that the government has in mind. Okay, so, I mean, this is meant to be, at least as the government describes it, a consultation, and then perhaps then, if, if they hear enough of these concerns outlined, maybe they'll, they'll change course. But as you alluded to at the outset, this doesn't really feel like a consultation. So where, where do we see this going here? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And and it does not feel like a consultation. I mean, any of your listeners that may have participated in consultations in the past on any issue, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be uh, the Internet, it can be just about any issue, will recognize the typical approach that are taken by governments at all levels, where they put forward a number of different policy approaches, ask a whole series of questions, and then use the consultation to get feedback, to gauge the general views of the public, and then 
use that to help craft their legislative proposals. That's not what's here, what we see here. There are few, if any, questions in this document, and there are few, if any, options in this document. Most of what's there is basically spelled out saying this is what we are going to do. It's an advisory. It's not a consultation. I think that's indicative of the government's initial plan, which was to have introduced legislation perhaps even a couple of months ago, only to find the Heritage Minister, Stephen Guibault, was a, was a really poor communicator on C-10. The public wasn't happy with that bill, and so the government held off. But, you know, they haven't really shifted into what I think most would see as a genuine consultation. And so when you ask, well, where does that leave us? I think for many, it, it leaves us with the sense that, you know, if regardless of what the public has to say, the, the government has made it clear this is what they intend to do. Now, it is, of course, possible that if enough people speak out, that cooler heads will prevail and they will come back with something that does a better job of addressing all of the concerns, including freedom of expression. Uh, but at least from a starting position here, this, this, there isn't a lot of reason for optimism, I don't think. I mean, you know, the government, it seems like, is putting this in the window in advance of an election and wants to be seen as being very tough on this issue, even if it means sacrificing some of the more traditional ideals, uh, including the importance of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Some important points. Much more as mentioned. MichaelGeist.ca. Appreciate the insight. Uh, as always, thanks so much for joining us here today. Well, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All the best. There you go. That's uh, Dr. Michael Geis, law professor, University of Ottawa, Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law.